0: Hey, 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 happy new year, welcome all you greatest cause champions to 2019, today is the first day of the year to act courageously, I'm Lainey Friedrich and this is episode 31 of the Couch to 5A podcast. Be sure to subscribe and also share this podcast if you have friends or family that you think would like an episode or like all of the episodes, wouldn't they love all of the episodes? What a great gift. What a great way to start the year. Say, hey, got this really cool podcast to listen to on your commute or listen to while you're working out. She's got some great stuff. She's kind of fun. She's got this awesome voice, this radio voice. That's me, Lainey Friedrich. So tell people about the Couch to 5-8 podcast. Let's share it with more people. Today, stay curious is the topic. And stay curious is something that I try and do. I need to do a little bit more of it every day of looking up things or asking more questions of people. Sometimes I just accept my ignorance and move on. So staying curious is about deciding, hey, why don't I see if I can uh, expand my understanding, expand my awareness of something. Uh, Paul is great about checking things on Wikipedia. We are, whenever we're out and about, and one of us thinks like, huh, what do you, do you know about blah, blah, and we'll look it up just to find out. It's like we have our own, we (laughs) It's like we create our own trivia game. <laughs> it's like, what's the answer? Neither one of us knows. <clears throat> so we go to Wikipedia to find out. <laughs> and one of the things I looked at today, which was really fun, was the story of Around the World in 80 Days because I vaguely recall seeing an old mo- the old version of the movie. And one was made uh, not that long ago. But I, I thought, let me find out what the real Around the World in 80 Days story was and turns out here here it is here is the rest of the story are you ready are you ready to hear what wikipedia has to say about the book around the world in 80 days around the world in 80 days the french title is le tour du monde en 80 jours i had to go to college for 4 years to learn how to say that in french It is an adventure novel by the French writer Jules Verne, published in 1873. And I did the math. 1873 is 146 years ago. So almost 150 years ago, the story was written. In the story, character Phileas Fogg, with two G's, of London, and his newly employed French valet, Passepartout, which uh, I read somewhere else was sort of a play on the word um, passport and part two, which means everywhere. So he's, his sidekick is the uh, passport to everywhere. They attempt to circumnavigate the world in 80 days on a 20,000 British pound wager, which the rough equivalent is over $2 million of a British pound sterling now set by his friends at the Reform Club. It is one of Verne's most acclaimed works. So the plot. What is the plot? The story starts in London on Wednesday, October 2nd, 1872. Phileas Fogg is a rich British gentleman living in solitude. Despite his wealth, Fogg lives a modest life with habits carried out with mathematical precision. Very little can be said about his social life other than that he is a member of the Reform Club. Having dismissed his former valet, James Forster, for bringing him shaving water at 84 degrees Fahrenheit instead of 86 degrees Fahrenheit, shocking, Fogg hired Frenchman Jean Passepartout as a replacement. At the Reform Club, Fogg gets involved in an argument over an article in the Daily Telegraph Stating that with the opening of a new railway section in India, it is now possible to travel around the world in 80 days. He accepts a wager of 20,000 pounds sterling, half of his total fortune, from his fellow club members to complete such a journey within this time period. With Passepartout accompanying him, Fogg departs from London by train at 8.45 p.m. on October 2nd in order... In order to win the wager, he must return to the club by the same time on December 21st, 80 days later. They take the remaining 20,000 pounds sterling of Fogg's fortune with them to cover expenses during the trip. All right. And then Wikipedia has this great breakdown of the itinerary of from here to where, how they're going to go, rail, steamer, steamer, rail, steamer, steamer. Steamer, rail, steamer. <laughs> a lot of rails and steamers and steamers and rails. And they've got it all plotted out. Fog and Pasapartu reach Suez in time. While disembarking in Egypt, they are watched by a Scotland Yard detective, Detective Fix, who has been dispatched from London in search of a bank robber. Since Fog fits the vague description Scotland Yard was given of the robber, Detective Fix mistakes Fogg for the criminal. (gasps) Since he cannot secure a warrant in time, Fix boards the steamer, conveying the travelers to Bombay. Fix becomes acquainted with Passapartou without revealing his purpose. Fogg promises the steamer engine a large reward if he gets them to Bombay early. They dock two days out of schedule. Ha! That's what money will buy. After reaching India, they take a train from Bombay to Calcutta. Fogg learns that the Daily Telegraph article was wrong. A 50-mile stretch from Colby to Allahabad has not yet been built. Ugh! Fogg purchases an elephant, hires a guide, and starts toward Allahabad. They come across a procession in which a young Indian woman, Aouda, is to undergo sati. Now, side note, I had to look up what sati is, again, curiosity, and it was not clickable on Wikipedia, so I had to do a second search. The the, the irony of that. Uh, Anyway, sati is uh, this barbaric um, practice where if a man died, his widow was burned uh, along with his corpse. Uh, Don't even get me started. Since she is drugged with opium and hemp and is obviously not going voluntarily, the travelers decide to rescue her. They follow the procession to the site where Passepartout takes the place of Aouda's deceased husband on the funeral pyre. During the ceremony, he rises from the pyre, scares off the priests, and carries Aouda away. The 12 hours gained earlier are lost, but Bog shows no regret. The travelers hasten to catch the train at the next railway station, taking Aouda with them. At Calcutta, they board a steamer, going to Hong Kong. Fix has Fog and Passepartout arrested. They jump bail, and Fix follows them to Hong Kong. He shows himself to Passepartout, who is delighted to again meet his traveling companion from the earlier voyage. Huh. In Hong Kong, it turns out that Aouda's distant relative, in whose care they had been planning to leave her, has moved to Holland, so they decide to take her with them to Europe. Still without a warrant, Fix sees Hong Kong as his last chance to arrest Fogg on British soil. Passepartout becomes convinced that, that Fix is a spy from the Reform Club. Fix confides in Passepartout, who does not believe a word and remains convinced that his master is not a bank robber. To prevent Passepartout from informing his master about the premature departure of their next vessel, Fix gets Passepartout drunk and drugs him in an opium den. Passepartout still manages to catch the steamer to Yokohama, but neglects to inform Fogg that the steamer is leaving the evening before its scheduled departure date. Fog discovers that he missed his connection. He searches for a vessel that will take him to Yokohama, finding a pilot boat, the Tankadir, that takes him and Ayuda to Shanghai, where they catch a steamer to Yokohama. In Yokohama, they search for Passapartu, believing that he may have arrived on the uh, Carnatic. That's a boat name. Is originally planned. They find him in a circus, trying to earn the fare for his homeward journey. Reunited, the four board a paddle steamer, the General Grant, taking them across the Pacific to San Francisco. Fix promises Passapartou that now, having left British soil, he will no longer try to delay Fogg's journey, but instead support him in getting back to Britain so he can arrest Fogg in Britain itself. That's nice. Well, side deals, backdoor deals. In San Francisco, they board a transcontinental train to New York, encountering a number of obstacles along the way. <gasps> a massive herd of bison crossing the tracks, a falling suspension bridge, and the train being attacked by Sioux warriors. After uncoupling the locomotive from the carriages, II is kidnapped by the Indians, but Fogg rescues him after the American soldiers volunteer to help. They continue by a wind-powered sledge to Omaha, where they get a train to New York. In New York, having missed the ship, Fogg looks for alternative transport. He finds a steamboat destined for Bordeaux, France. The captain of the boat refuses to take the company to Liverpool, whereupon Fogg consents to be taken to Bordeaux for $2,000 Per passenger, Um, they're saying the equivalent of that is about $200,000 U.S. now. He then bribes the crew to mutiny and make course for Liverpool. Against hurricane winds and going on full steam, the boat runs out of fuel after a few days. Fog buys the boat from the captain and has the crew burn all the wooden parts to keep up the steam. That's how determined he is. The companions arrive at Queenstown, Ireland, take the train to Dublin, and then a ferry to Liverpool, still in time to reach London before the deadline. Once on English soil, Fix produces a warrant and arrests Fogg. A short time later, the misunderstanding is cleared up. The actual robber, an individual named James Strand, had been caught three days earlier in Edinburgh. However, Fogg has missed the train and arrives in London five minutes late certain he has lost the wager. The following day Fogg apologizes to Aouda for bringing her with him since he now has to live in poverty and cannot support her. Aouda confesses that she loves him and asks him to marry her. As Passepartout notifies the minister, he learns that he is mistaken on the date. It is not December 22nd, but instead December 21st. Because the party had traveled eastward, Their days were shortened by a few minutes. Thus, even though they spent a consistent amount of time during the journey, they experienced an additional sunrise and sunset, and so were a day ahead of the actual date. Passepartout informs Fogg of his mistake, and Fogg hurries to the Reform Club just in time to meet his deadline and win the wager. Having spent almost 19,000 British pounds of his travel money during the journey, he divides the remainder between Passepartout and Fix and marries Aouda. Now, here's a little background. Around the World in 80 Days was written during difficult times, both for France and for Verne. It was during the Franco-Prussian War, in which Verne was conscripted as a coast guard. He was having financial difficulties, his previous works were not paid royalties, his father had died recently, and he had witnessed a public execution which had disturbed him. Despite all this, Verne was excited about his work on the new book, the idea of which came to him one afternoon in a Paris cafe while reading a newspaper. The technological innovations of the 19th century had opened the possibility of rapid circumnavigation, and the prospect fascinated Verne and his readership. In particular, three technological breakthroughs occurred in 1869 to 1870 that made a tourist-like, around-the-world journey possible for the first time. The completion of the first transcontinental railroad in America in 1869, the linking of the Indian Railway across the subcontinent in 1870 and the opening of the Suez Canal in 1869. It was another notable mark in the end of an age of exploration and the start of an age of fully global tourism that can be enjoyed in relative comfort and safety. It sparked the imagination that anyone could sit down, draw up a schedule, buy tickets and travel around the world a feat previously reserved for only the most heroic and hardy of adventurers. Verne is often characterized as a futuristic or science fiction author, but there is not a glimmer of science fiction in this, which is his most popular work, at least in English. Rather than any futurism, it remains a memorable portrait of the British Empire, on which the sun never sets, shortly before its peak, drawn by an outsider. Until 2006, no critical editions were written due to both the poor translations available and the stereotypical connection between science fiction and worthless boys' literature. However, Verne's work began receiving more serious reviews in the late 20th and early 21st centuries, with new translations appearing. The book is a source of common notable English and extended British attitudes in quotes, such as, Phileas Phileas Fogg and Sir Francis Cromarty endure the discomfort with true British phlegm, taking little and scarcely able to catch a glimpse of each other, as well as in Chapter 12, when the group is being jostled about on the elephant ride across the jungle. In Chapter 25, when Fogg is insulted in San Francisco, Fix acknowledges that clearly Mr. Fogg was one of those Englishmen who while they do not tolerate dueling at home, fight abroad when their honor is attacked. Post-colonial readings of the novel elucidate Verne's role as propagandist for European global dominance as a, as a victor's historian. Perhaps the leading excuse for the European colonization of India was found in the Hindu practice of the Suti. Verne's novel, one of the most widely read of the 19th century, played a major role in shaping European attitudes of the colonized lands. The closing date of the novel, December 21, 1872, was the same date as the serial publication. As it was being published serially for the first time, some readers believed that the journey was actually taking place. Bets were placed, and some railway companies and ship liner companies lobbied Verne to peel, appear in the book. It is unknown if Verne submitted to their request, but the descriptions of some rail and shipping lanes leave some suspicion he was influenced. Although a journey by balloon has become one of the images most strongly associated with the story, this iconic symbol was never deployed by Verne. The idea is briefly brought up in Chapter 32 but dismissed, as it would have been highly risky and in any case impossible. However, the popular 1956 movie adaptation used the balloon idea, and it has now become a part of the mythology of the story, even appearing on book covers. This plot element is reminiscent of Byrne's earlier Five Weeks in a Balloon, which first made him a well-known author. Concerning the final coup de théâtre, Fogg had thought it was one day later than it actually was because he had forgotten the simple fact during his journey, he had added a full day to his clock at the rhythm of an hour per 15 degrees, or four minutes per degree, as Verne writes. In fact, at the time and until 1884, the concept of a de jour international date line did not exist. If it did, he would have been made aware of the change in date once he reached this line. Thus, the day he added to his clock throughout his journey would be removed upon crossing this imaginary line. However, in the real world, Fogg's mistake would not have occurred, because a a de facto dateline did exist. The UK, India, and the US had the same calendar with different local times. He would have noticed when he arrived in San Francisco that the local date was actually one day earlier than shown in his travel diary. As a consequence, he could not fail to notice that the departure dates of the transcontinental train in San Francisco and of the China China steamer in New York were actually one day earlier than his personal travel diary. And that, my friends, my Courageous Cause champions, is the rest of the story about Jules Verne and around the world in 80 days. Isn't that exciting? It makes me want to see the movie now. And I love, I just love the, 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 parts in this that are so true of life in general where, you know, you map out a course and there are twists and turns. There are things you didn't know about until you get there and things you thought and other people trying to, you know, have their own agendas and um, weather (laughs) can change things. So, uh, yeah, it just sounds like an exciting, exciting adventure. And when we do try and when we go forth and change the world in 80 days, things come up. Things will come up in the plan. And uh, the changes that we think that we can make in 80 days may not happen in 80 days. But changes will happen. Changes will happen in our world. Changes will happen within us. Um, So it's exciting. It's exciting to embark on something like this. And I've been loving the 80-day um challenge here you have two we're only day nine into it, and it's been it's been excellent so far i um just to give a little follow up from yesterday, I took uh the photo album for Brandon my nephew Brandon over to my sister in laws and um and my then my brothers uh to have them sign look at it and uh, see what I did and then sign uh make a little note on the last page to Brandon and it was just it was so heartwarming. So that was my share um go back to what was it day? Um sharing redefined, share from abundance. Um I had this album and I could have just you know, put my little letter at the front of it, which I did, and left it at that, but I thought, you know what, I've got this extra page at the back, and why not share this opportunity of giving this heartfelt gift to Brandon from me, and also have just, uh, you know, a few words from his parents to show him and remind him how much they love him too, so can't wait to give it to him tomorrow, it's going to be exciting, I'll let you know how that goes. I hope you all have a wonderful start to 2019. And um, please consider doing your own uh, Change the World in 80 Days Challenge. Grab a calendar and start um, just just one little thing at a time. Just one little thing. Even if it's something that you already are in a pretty good habit of, just write it down and say, okay, I'm going to make sure this stays a habit for the year ahead. Let's keep it easy. It should be easy. It should be fun. That's it for today. Happy New Year. Namaste.